My name is Kyle. It's a joy to be with you this morning and to worship with you. And we're going to continue in our series this morning called Love Illuminated. I know that it's summertime, so if you are like school age, you're having a blast. If you're a teacher right now, you're like, please, Lord Jesus, let the summer last longer, right? I mean, you're begging God for an extended summer. Um, and so for those of you who are in school, um, when school starts back, and or a teacher, please don't be too mad at me, but we're going to take a little test this morning. If it's been a long time since you've been in high school, pay attention, all right, because test is coming. Uh, this morning we want to talk about true or false, and so I thought we'd get this thing rolling with some true or false statements being posed on the screen. They're going to come rather quickly, and so um, as they come up, uh, you can say them out loud or you can just, you know, answer internally so that nobody heard your answer, so then you can say, well, that's what I said, right? However you want to work this deal, all right? But we're going to see if we can do some true or false here. They're going to come from all kinds of angles. I know you love tests. All right, first, true or false. Abraham Lincoln had no middle name. This is true. True or false. There was no World Series in 1994. It's true. It's the year of the uh, strike and no World Series. True or false, the fifth, the fifth planet away from the sun is Mars. False. All right. True or false, Mario of Super Mario Brothers fame was once a carpenter. Check out Donkey Kong. True or false, there are ten zeros in the number one million. False. I believe there's six. All right, I'll check my bank account and see if that works out. All right. <laughs> True or false? Fish sleep with their eyes closed. Exactly what happened in the first that I thought would happen. These true or false would cause you to go fact check. All right. I had people texting me while I was preaching to say that one was wrong. I have never been underwater while a fish is sleeping. I don't know. My little Google search said this answer. You may have a different answer. There you go. True or false. It's kind of difficult sometimes, right, to know whether it's true or false. All right, next. True or false. If you mix all the colors of the rainbow together, you get white. This is true. Interesting, huh? There you go. True or false. Polar bear's skin is white. Ah, yeller. False. They say it's black. So the next time you're skinning a polar bear, expect black skin. So not only did I hate tests, right? Like I didn't like them. I really hated true or false tests because I always blew them terribly. Let me give you some reasons why I always blew true or false tests. This may or may not be the way it worked for you, but it's the way it worked for me. One, I might have crammed for a test or two in my time. So that would be one factor. The biggest factor on true and false questions, though, I always skimmed the statement and didn't really sit on it and ponder. Because when you read a true or false kind of deal and you're trying to figure it out, there's always some truth in it, right? There's always some truth in it. And you're like, well, I know that's true, and I know that's true. So I assume since that was true and that was true that this last part of the statement is true. And sometimes it's blatantly false, and if you're not careful, if you just skim right over it, you think something is true 
when it's not. I always, always bombed, totally bombed the truth or false test in high school. But it sounded right to me, right? It sounded right. There you are, you're hanging out on the beach, an old boy comes by, and he's got the Gucci sunglasses for 30 bucks. They're real, right? You're cruising down the streets of New York, and they got that Prada purse, and it's only $75. It's real, right? I mean, it looks real. Surely it's real. There's all kinds of things out there that are fakes to win us over and to make us think it sounds real or it looks real or it feels real. Just enough truth, just enough real to make us buy in and go for it. Well, it's a big deal if you fail a test in high school. So if you're in high school, when you get back in here in a few weeks, study hard, do your best. If it's a true or false kind of thing, look at it, don't skim over it, really spend time on it. But how much bigger of a deal is it when it comes to Jesus and when it comes to eternal things that we make sure that we get it right, that we make sure that we are unpacking and understanding truth? So the question then is, how can we know truth? I want to give you this statement. We're going to weave it all the way through. You can fill it in in your notes there. Here it is. We know the truth of God through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Okay, We know, and when I say we, I'm talking about believers. We know the truth of God through the Word of God, meaning the Bible, and the Spirit of God, meaning the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God. And as we look through Scripture today, I think you're going to see uh, all of this to just come out uh, really, really clear and plain, I hope. So we're going to be in the book of 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John. Um, so I want to encourage you to open to 1 John chapter 2. If you need a Bible, you can find one in the seat underneath you, in, uh, underneath in front of you. And if you need a page number, you can find it on page number 1032 where we are this morning, 1 John. So we've got this writer. His name's John. We read from the Gospel of John earlier. The Gospel of John was all about, like John 3.16, like for God so loved the world, that beautiful passage of Scripture. He wrote that Gospel to tell us about Jesus and what he did. It was very much so written so that those who are not believers would become believers and become followers of Jesus. Well, in 1 John, the letter of John or the epistle of John, his first out of three, um, John is writing to believers to affirm us and to confirm us in our faith. And so he's speaking into us to build us up in what we've already um, experienced in Jesus. So 1 John chapter 2, verse number 18. He says, Dear children, and I want to pause, remind you, John's old. He's probably in his 90s at this point, and in that day and age, that is really, really old. Uh, they just didn't live as long then as we live now. And so when he says, dear children, he's not speaking uh, to us saying you're immature and you're childish. He's just saying, I'm old. I'm like a grandpa to you. I've got experiences and I've got wisdom and I want to pour them into you. I'm looking at you like my children because I've passed on these truths to you. You've believed in Jesus and now you're following Jesus and I care for you. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a letter and a word of compassion and care and protection. Anyway, he says here in verse number 18, dear Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist, capital A, the big one, the Antichrist is coming. And already many such Antichrist, little a, bunch of them with an S, Antichrist, have appeared. From this we know that the last 
hour has come. So he talks about a few things here that I just want to kind of unpack really quick and we'll move forward. But he talks about the last hour. And when we think hour, we think 60 minutes. But let me give you uh, this to help you. We're not talking about 60 minutes here. We're talking about an age of time. An age of time that began when Jesus, after living here on the earth and dying for us and coming back from the dead and going back to be with the Father, the last hour that's being spoken of here is an age that began. And so we've been in the last hour for a long time. The last hour is that time in between Jesus going to be with the Father after dying on the cross and coming back from the dead until the time that he comes back again for all of us who are his followers. And so we're in this hour, this last hour, this last bit of time. And then it goes on here to talk about the Antichrist and many Antichrists. When he talks here about the Antichrist, he is talking about someone who will claim for himself to be Christ, someone who will make himself the substitute for Christ, someone who one day will rule and reign for a short time here on this earth as someone who's presenting himself as as Christ but not Christ himself. A world dictator, if you will, a world ruler, and it's not going to be a pretty time when he poses as a substitute for Christ, because he is just that, the anti-Christ. And then he talks about these many anti-Christs, little a, these precursors, if you will, of people that will come along before the anti-Christ. They will try to substitute themselves for Christ. They will say things that are against Christ. They will say things that are opposed to Christ. They come in the form of false teachers. They come uh, denying the truth about Jesus They are deceivers and liars, and we're going to talk about deceivers and liars in just a few minutes, and we're going to talk specifically about a few groups of people today who are deceivers and liars, in particular with what we're talking about. Look at verse number 19. These people, meaning the Antichrist, these people left our churches. So there were people that used to come, just like we do on Sunday, and gather together And worship and be a part of a church gathering, be a part of a church. And here's what it says. It says, these people left our churches. They walked away. Then very important, he says this. But they never really belonged with us. They never really belonged with us. They were there. They were with us. But they weren't really in Christ the way that we are in Christ. And we'll unpack that a little bit more. It goes on to say, otherwise... They, the Antichrist, would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they did not belong with us. So they were there in the church, and then they left. Some people would use this text and some other texts of Scripture to say, well, there it is. Christians can lose their salvation. And that is a question that a lot of us wrestle with. We wrestle with it with other people, and that is this question, can a Christian lose their salvation? It's a huge question. It's a big question. It's an important question. But let me tell you the more important question I want to pose to you this morning, and that is this. Can God lose a Christian? Can God lose a Christian? Now, here's the deal. If I can earn my salvation, if I can obtain it on my own, then I would say it's very, very likely, (laughs) very possible that I could lose it. 
But if I didn't obtain it, if I didn't earn it, if I didn't pay for it, and God did, it shifts everything towards God and what he can and what he cannot do. If it is God who saves you, then it is God who keeps you saved. If it is God who makes you a follower of Jesus, it is God who's going to keep you as a follower of Jesus. I have some kids, and so when we go across a busy street, especially with the younger ones, I'll say, hey, hold my hand. It's a busy street, kind of dangerous out here. And they will hopefully grab my hand, and I will grab theirs. When we're crossing the street, who's really holding whose hand? I am the one who is really holding their hand. Why? Because I'm their father. It is my job, my responsibility, and my ability to protect them. So I squeeze a little bit harder and a little bit tighter because I know that they may squirm. I know they may want to dart. I know they may think they ought to go to the left or to the right, but it's my job to protect them, and so I'm not going to let them go. When you become a follower of Jesus, God the Father becomes your Father, and he grabs a hold of you, and he says, I'm never, ever going to let you go. He gives you a salvation that is eternal. He saves you, and he keeps you saved, and God cannot, cannot lose a Christian. It is his responsibility and his capability to keep us and to protect us, and he does that. A lot of times we think the Bible is about us. The Bible is for us, but here's what you got to understand. The Bible is really about God and his story. We'll say that again. The Bible is really about God and his story. Is his story for us? Yes. And the whole story is God loving people. We think it's all about me loving God, me loving Jesus, me loving this, and me loving that. That is an overflow of us experiencing the love of God, a love that is rich, a love that is powerful, a love that is eternal, and God cannot, he cannot lose a Christian. So as it talks about here in verse number 19, it says they never really belong with us. They, 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 they went away, they, they walked away. Christians continue and keep walking with Jesus. And I want to talk this out just a little bit. Christians, real Christians, keep walking with Jesus. If you are a believer, someone who has repented of your sin, and you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior by faith, you're a follower of Jesus, real Christians, Christians keep following Jesus. If you've been following Jesus for a good amount of time, and I've been following Jesus for a lot of years now. Some of you have been following Jesus for a lot of years. If you've been following Jesus for a lot of years, I think most of us in the room would say there have been seasons of my life, times of my life where I have fallen, where I have faltered, where I have tried to step away, where I've tried to go to the left or right and do my own thing. I've had those seasons in my life. I would venture to say that a lot of you have had the same in your life. But my faith in Jesus was real. And if your faith in Jesus was real, the same things happened to you that's happened to me. God reminds me through people, through experiences, and even through consequences that I belong to him. I'm reminded that I'm his. I repent and I come back into fellowship with him because I'm in relationship with him. He is my father. I am his child. And I get back close to him and I begin following Jesus. Those who are walking away from him and staying away from him, look what it says in verse number 19. They never really belonged with us. In other words, they were never followers of Jesus in the first place. Listen to me. You can't 
lose your salvation, but you can fake your salvation. Catch the difference. You can't lose your salvation, but you can, you can fake your salvation. And that's what was going on here in this time. John's writing to these people. These people had come into the church, and they were faking their salvation. They were saying, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, yes, prayed that prayer. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But they were faking it. They were faking it. And they were faking it because they literally were anti-Christ, trying to infiltrate the church with things that were not true. The reason why they walked away is because they never walked with You can't lose your salvation, but you can fake your salvation. Now, if you're here today and you're not a believer, um, I would say that you're probably a seeker. You're probably someone who came today because you're leaning in. You've had something happen in your life. You're like, I really need to consider where I'm headed and what's going on in my life. I need to think a little bit more about Jesus. Maybe your neighbor invited you or your friend invited you or your your family invited you and you came today and you're kind of leaning in. You, You wouldn't say I'm a follower of Jesus, but you're... But you're a seeker. This group of antichrist that he's talking about right here, they weren't seekers. Listen to me. They were posers. They were coming into the church saying, oh, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Oh, yes, I believe. Oh, yes, I'm such a believer in Jesus. You need to listen to me and listen to what I say about Jesus. And the things they were saying about Jesus were not the truth about Jesus. And that's a very, very big, big deal. Look at verse number 20. It says, but you are not like that. Who? The followers of Jesus, those who have really repented, those who have really believed in Christ. He says, but you are not like that. For the Holy One, meaning Jesus, you could say God, either one, the Holy One, Jesus, God, the Holy One has given you his spirit, known as the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth. And so he's talking to those who are followers of Jesus, and he makes this incredible declaration. He said, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. God living in us. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Some people think, well, if you're one of the lucky people, you get the Spirit of God. Or, man, if you're one of the outgoing people, you must have the Spirit of God. Or or if you're this great leader, you must have the Spirit of God. Or if you're this gifted communicator, you have the Spirit of God. The Word of God, not me, the Word of God declares that if you have Jesus living in your heart by faith, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Now this is a massive truth that you need to absorb, believe, and live out because some of you are trying to do this whole thing called Christianity on your own and you don't even realize the Spirit of God lives inside of you because you've missed this truth. It is massive. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. What does the Spirit of God do for me? What does the Spirit of God do for you? The Spirit of God directs us. Well, should I go left or should I go right? The Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, is going to help us determine which way we should go. The Holy Spirit's going to be there to convict us. If you're a believer and you've done something that has been contrary to what God wants you to do, you're going to get this uneasiness about you in your spirit. That is the Spirit of God saying, you have screwed up. You have messed up. You have sinned. You have gone the wrong direction. That's called conviction. That is your Father through His Spirit saying you went the wrong way. Come back over here. That's one thing that the Spirit of God 
affect us. So if you're a follower of Jesus, and right now you're uneasy with where you're headed in life, you better be seeking what God is trying to tell you because he's probably trying to redirect you through his spirit. And the spirit reveals the truth of God to you, as we're going to see brought out here in verse number 20 and in the verses to come. It makes this declaration in verse number 20 as well, and all of you know the truth. The truth is not a mere idea or ideology. The truth is a person. Jesus is the truth. I'm going to say this again. I want you to get it. I want you to write it down. I think it's going to come on the screen for you. Jesus is the truth. So if you're like a truth seeker today, let me tell you where you're going to find the truth. You are going to find the truth in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our focus at Holland Chapel. Jesus. 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 He is who we are going to worship. He is who we are going to proclaim. He is who we are going to teach about. He is who we are going to learn about. He is who we are going to become like. Jesus, who is the truth. In fact, Jesus made this incredible claim in John chapter 14, verse number 6. He's talking about himself, and so to make this proclamation about yourself is really, really incredible. And here's what John chapter 14, verse 6 says. Jesus said, I am the way, the, help me out, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. What's Jesus doing right here? Well, he's saying some pretty incredible things. When he declares to be the way, he's saying to me and he's saying to you and he's saying to all of humanity, you're not getting to God unless you come through me. I am the only path to the Father. When he claims to be the truth, to be the truth, not just the keeper of truth or the giver of truth, but to be the truth, he is literally declaring himself to be divine. He's declaring himself to be deity here. It is massive because that's who Jesus is. He is divine. Jesus is deity. God Father, God Son, God Holy Spirit. These three persons, one God, and Jesus is very much God. And he's proclaiming here to be the truth and the life, our source of everything. There's only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus. And Jesus is the truth. Look at verse 21. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, so John's talking to us as believers, he's like, you know the truth. I know that you know it. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. Everybody do one of these right here, right? That whole true and false thing. He just took all the pressure off. He's like, I'm telling you because the Spirit of God lives inside of you. You have the ability through the Spirit of God to know what is true and to know what is false. And when it comes down to this type of true and false that we're talking about right now, we are specifically and magnificently talking about Jesus. Listen, there are a lot of things that we could debate as to what we believe to be best or that we hold to or our values. And those conversations are good, but we can agree to disagree on them. For instance, let's just talk about kids for a moment. Should you, uh, should you homeschool them? Should you private school them? Should you public school them? You may have a strong, strong value and opinion there. I may have a strong value and opinion there, but that is something that we can agree to disagree on. 
There is a long laundry list of things out there that we can have great value on and great opinion on and belief on, and we can agree to disagree, and we can still come together as a church. But what we cannot choose to agree to disagree on is Jesus. We must agree on Jesus. It all comes down to who he is. And if we disagree on who Jesus is, everything falls apart because everything that we are as Christians hinges on Jesus. Look at verse number 22. And who is a liar? You use that word every day, right? You did when you were a kid, right? Liar, liar, pants on fire, hang them high, hang them low. And depending on whether you were a Christian or not, you ended that differently, right? But we were quick to say, liar. But we grew up and we realized those are strong, that's a strong word, right? Strong word. You better be right when you declare someone a liar. Uh, This past week, for the first time in a long time, I said to another person that they were a liar. And it was after long debate, and it was after me having clear facts that they were wrong, and they weren't willing to admit they were wrong, that I felt it was necessary for me to call them a liar. It was a moment. I don't use that word very often. It's been a long time. I don't know how many times I've used in the last 10 years to actually tell someone they are a liar. It's been very few. So when you call someone a liar, it's a big deal. So the Word of God says, and who is a liar? And look what it says. Some of y'all right now are like, who did he call a liar? (laughs) It wasn't you, so you're good, right? (laughs) And don't ask me later. And who's a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Well, I think we're familiar enough, most of us, to know that uh, you've got this name Jesus and you've got this name Christ, and sometimes we call him, as we should, Jesus Christ. And I don't know what your understanding is of those names. I think a lot of people think that Jesus is his first name and like Christ is his last name. Uh, Let let me give you a little bit of help that will maybe help you process this because it's a big deal. Okay, It's also a big deal when you say that name. Okay, So Jesus is his human name. Okay, Jesus is his human name. So if you think about Jesus and his humanity, which he was fully human, uh, we think about uh, his human name. Christ is his divine name. So when I say his name is Jesus Christ, I'm saying that he was the Jesus that walked here on earth and he had full humanity about him, but I'm also declaring that he is God. It's the reason why we don't flippantly go around saying the name Jesus Christ. Okay, it's the reason why in just our common everyday conversation, we just don't go around saying Jesus Christ. You stump your toe. You shouldn't say Jesus Christ. Like, like pray to him maybe to heal it, but like don't just flippantly say his name because you are speaking the name of God. And it's a very big deal. When I say that his name is Jesus Christ, I'm saying that he is my God. So when you say his name is Jesus Christ, what you are saying, whether you realize it or not, and what you need to understand, you are saying that he is your God. So it begs this question that we all need to wrestle with this, and that is, is Jesus my God? Okay, is he my God? 
I mean God, like creator, sustainer, the eternal one. When we say Jesus, according to the Bible, we're talking about the second person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal with one another. Jesus didn't begin on Christmas, no matter what date you put on it. Jesus has the same attributes of the divine. He is eternal. He has no beginning that will rock your mind when you think about that. He has no beginning and he has no end. If you read the scripture like Colossians chapter 1 and John chapter 1 and other places, you will actually realize that it was Jesus who created the heavens and the earth. It was Jesus. So he had to be around a long time before to make all that happen. Is Jesus my God? Do I believe him to be divine with all of the attributes of who he is? So again, when we say Jesus Christ, we're saying that, that he is our, our God. He is our God. Well, we've got these antichrists then. We have antichrists now who will talk about Jesus, but they truly don't believe that he is God. And if someone misses it on Jesus, they're missing it on everything. And the reason why I'm talking to you about this is because I don't want you to miss it. It's my job to help you to see the truth, and the truth is Jesus. And if Jesus gets messed up, then everything gets messed up. So who he is and what you believe about him and the conversations you have about him and the conversations that you will, whether you want to or not, have about him because other people are going to want to have conversations about Jesus with you, you better understand who he is. You can't say, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus because Jesus is God. I'm going to say that again. You can't say, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus because Jesus is God. So that's the reason why we cannot say that all religions are equal. I've got a, I've got a couple of bands that I listen to that are really, really good. One of them is actually a country band, and they it's just good vibes. It make, I enjoy it. I'm outside grilling. It's normally who's on. I'm just enjoying it. They got this one song that's so catchy, sounds so good, but about the middle of the song, they, they say all religions are equal is, is what they say in essence. And I'm like, no, they're not. And this is not about me being right and them being wrong. This is about Jesus and who he really is. So for just a moment, I want to pack two groups of people. I want to do it with respect towards them. I have people that I know. Um, I, you have people that you have met. You may have some friends. You may have some neighbors. These people, these groups of people, they're great people, but they're missing it when it comes to Jesus, and they are tricking people left and right, and you better be careful because they and other groups of people are trying to trick people about Jesus, about Jesus. So the first group I'll talk about are the Jehovah's Witness, okay? They will say that they are Christian. They will say to you that they believe in Jesus. Listen to me, but they do not believe that Jesus is God. I didn't say they don't believe that Jesus is a God. They do not believe that Jesus is God. They do not believe that he has the eternal nature of God. It's very important. Something they do believe about Jesus that will probably make you go, huh? They believe that Jesus was created by God, whatever version of him that they've got, that he was created by God as the archangel Michael, and that then he took on human form, and now we know him as Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? That's where they land. They may not tell you that in their conversations. They'll try to tell you they're Christian. They'll try to tell you they believe in Jesus. They'll say, oh, yeah, we're the same. They are not. They are not. 
They also believe that they're the only ones with access to the truth. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus was the truth, not the Jehovah's Witness. Now, I'm not saying this to bash a group of people. I'm saying this to protect you who are here because you're here for Jesus, right? And if somebody steers you wrong on Jesus, you're going to get all messed up. They come into my neighborhood. I pray them out of my neighborhood. They want to have a conversation. I'm happy to have a conversation if I have time. In fact, um, uh, this group and another group came through our neighborhood quite often when we lived in Washington State. And uh, these two young, nice young men came to our door. I really didn't have a whole lot of time to talk, and I kind of sent them on their way. And I prayed that God would just shut their mouths. And I mean that respectfully. I didn't pray any harm on them, but, like, they're, they're, they're propagating lies about Jesus. And I'm there to propagate the truth about Jesus. And so, anyway, my son, who's my oldest who at the time, um, Terry says he was five, and so I'll give it to him. He probably true. He probably was five years old. He's like, hey, what, what's up with those guys? What were they doing? And I'm, I'm, I kind of tell him. He's like, well, are they like Christians? Are they believers? Who are they? What are they doing? And I explained to him that they don't believe the truth about Jesus and how they believe about Jesus. And he's like, well, that's wrong. And I'm like, you're right. He's like, somebody needs to convince them. Somebody needs to tell them. I'm like, I'm right, but I don't know if they'll listen right now. So anyway, a little bit of time ticks by. My wife and my kids are out for a stroll. They're not carless. They're out for a stroll, and they're walking, and uh, these two young, nice fellas stop, and they ask if they can help in any kind of way, and my wife is like, no, we're good. You guys can carry on, and so those two guys were on bikes, and uh, my son, five, six years old at the time, realized who they were and began to chase them down the sidewalk. What am I telling you right now? I'm telling you, you better teach your children the truth about Jesus early. They better understand that he is God come for us. They better understand that. They better understand that Jesus is their God and that they need to believe in him and follow him. Uh, another group of people, uh, the Mormons, they say they're Christian. They say they believe in Jesus. They don't believe that Jesus is God. They may say he is a God, but they don't believe that he is God. They believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers. They also believe that you have to do a long laundry list of things in and through their church to reach salvation. They also believe that God, okay, God, was once a man who elevated the Godhead through his own efforts. Therefore, if we do enough good, we can become a God too. That's not what we read in Scripture. It's just not. Now again, they're going to give you all kinds of versions of their deal to help, you con help convince you that they're a Christian, they're followers of Jesus. It's not the same Jesus again. The question is, is Jesus my God? Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, fully God, eternal, no beginning, no end, having every attribute of God, fully man, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin. I'd love to explain that one, but I don't have time this morning. It's a huge truth. Died for the sins of all mankind, satisfying the Father with payment in full for all sin, resurrected from the dead on the third day, the only way of salvation for anyone and everyone for all time, and is coming back again for his people. That's who Jesus is. I don't get paid extra for believing in Jesus, right? I don't earn anything extra for believing in Jesus. It's just truth. And we've got to have it. We've got to know it. 
And we got to know that all ends and begins in Jesus. Look at verse 24. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. This is an incredible word of encouragement for you. If you're like, am I saved or am I not saved? Which way is it? Um, We're not talking about mental assent here. We're talking about biblical acknowledgement. If you deny Jesus, you're definitely not a follower of Jesus. If you biblically acknowledge Jesus, meaning I understand who he is according to Scripture, and I believe he is who he says he is according to Scripture, and I believe that I'm separated from God because of my sin, because that's what Scripture tells me, and I need a Savior, and his name is Jesus, and Jesus alone, that type of acknowledgement from our soul, from the depths of our being, then we have the Son and we have the Father. If you don't have Jesus, listen to me, you're not connected to God. He is our only way to Him. Your sins have not been forgiven. You've not been made a child of God if you don't have Jesus. Some people think because they go to church or they got baptized and everything's good. No, it's Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. He is our only way of salvation. Look at verse number 24. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. Now think about this for just a moment. The people he's writing to, um, they have been um, uh, following Jesus for however many years. You're probably a couple of generations in of Jesus' followers, meaning just a couple of generations ago, Jesus was there walking with them. John is talking to them by written word right here. John actually walked and talked with Jesus. John was one of the apostles. They are hearing from people that walked and talked with Jesus about who Jesus is and what Jesus did and what Jesus taught. They don't have the entire word of God yet because it's still being written, right? They're reading it right now for the first time. Oh, this is a letter from John. It's eventually going to become the word of God for us. And he's saying to them, be faithful to what you've been taught What have they been taught? They've been taught what the apostles have passed down to them from Jesus. He's like, don't step away from that. Don't step away from that. I just got to just go ahead and say this. I think the apostles talked about Jesus all the time. What did they preach about? I think they preached about Jesus. What did they lead their churches towards? Jesus. Just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's like, remain faithful to those teachings because if you get off on Jesus... You're going to find yourself in a very, very dangerous place. And then he goes on to say, if you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. Verse 25. And this, excuse me, and in this fellowship we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. So let me pause for just a moment. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, by way of placing your faith in Christ to forgive you and you know him And therefore, you know the Father and you're a child of God. For just a moment, I want you to think about the fellowship that you enjoy and this eternal life that is promised to you. Just think about it for just a moment. That when this life is over, you and I are going to spend forever with God in what we can call perfection. Wow. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in guilt. We don't have to live in a quandary. We can live in a place of satisfaction and joy knowing that that is to come for us. 
Not because we are the holders of the truth, not because we're the keepers of the truth, not because we're the only ones that have the truth, but because Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. And our job with the truth is to unleash it to everyone. We want everyone to know about Jesus. The Jesus that we know and understand from Scripture. Look at verse number 26. I'm writing these things to warn you. So hear hear the alarm go off. Like, "Eh, eh, eh." I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. Well, who would want to lead me astray? A lot of people would love to lead you astray. A lot of people. A lot of people want you to be in the same camp they are. A lot of people want you to believe what they believe. A lot of people want you to have what they have. And if they are off on Jesus, sadly, they are dead wrong. And they are going to try to lead you astray. Even if they think that they are right. Oh, it's a true answer. I read it. I know it's true. I'm saying true. I'm saying true. I'm going with true. They believe what they believe is true. But if they're off on Jesus, it's false. And they are going to try to come in. And they are going to try to steer you left and or right. Any way away from Jesus. It's a huge deal. Be careful for those that want to take you aside. And I don't know if any of this going on within our church. If I did, man, I would have a hissy, a holy hissy fit. Uh, But I would have one. But be careful even within the church. Somebody's like, hey, come on over. Let's study a little bit. Let's talk about the deeper things. Let's talk about the things the rest of them just don't, they don't know and they can't understand and they can't get. You better be on guard. Something is up in that moment. There's nothing deeper than Jesus and his gospel. There's nothing deeper than Jesus and his gospel. And if they want to talk about something else, you better be on guard. Verse 27. But you, you can take your finger if you're a believer and point to yourself. That's me, right? But you have received the Holy Spirit. Again, you don't have to be a special person to receive the Holy Spirit. You have to be a saved person to receive the Holy Spirit. By the way, being saved makes you special. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. It goes on to say, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches you is true. It's not a lie. So just as He taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Now, I know you're smart people, and you just read what I read, and you're wondering, well, why do we need Kyle? Fair enough. And I'll just go ahead and tell you what you already know. You made it before me and you'll make it after me. It's not about me. It's not about another Bible teacher. It's about Jesus. So does this scripture like negate the need for Bible teachers? Here's what we're getting from this. And here's what you got to understand. You can't learn anything about God except through the Holy Spirit. And... You can learn about God with the Holy Spirit and His Word, whether you have a Bible teacher or not. Some of you think, I can only come on Sunday to learn about Jesus. No. If you're a believer, go home and open your Bible and learn about Jesus and note the Holy Spirit's only going to lead you into truth. As we read the rest of Scripture, we understand there's a great need for Bible teachers. And hopefully I'm doing my part uh, well and want to do it even better. So should you seek biblical teaching? The answer is yes, but also you should seek to be alone with God and his word so his spirit can teach you what he wants to teach you. And guess what he's going to teach you about? You're catching on, I heard you. 
He said, Jesus. When you get in the Word, don't skim over it. Don't breeze through it. Read it, meditate it, internalize it, embrace it. So some questions. Is your Bible open or closed? Okay. Is your heart open or closed? Is your mind open or closed? Are your ears opened or closed? Again, we know the truth of God through the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and we can be confident that Jesus is the truth. One huge next step for you to consider this morning, I think it applies to everybody in the room, whether you're a seeker coming here today to say, who is Jesus, what's this whole church thing about, what's Christianity about, and or if you've been following Jesus for a long time to reaffirm this and, and just to, 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 to live this out, and that is to recognize that Jesus is the truth. That's the next step I want you to take today is just to recognize that Jesus is the truth. If you're not a believer yet, this is a life-changing moment for you that can happen. When you understand who Jesus is and that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way to get to God the Father except through him, when you realize that, believe that, and he cleanses you and makes you his own, that's called salvation, and it changes your life eternally. He grabs hold of you. He is never going to leave, let go. You might squirm. You might wiggle. You might think, I need to dart to the left or dart to the right. But he, your father, is going to hang on to you because he loves you. He protects you. He is not going to give up that responsibility. He's going to keep you forever. For those of you that have been a believer a long, long time, don't forget it's all about Jesus, and he is the truth. Let's pray.